Who's up for a message this morning? As I said during my leading that I've been poorly this week, so um, uh, P3 Potter, Peter Prothero, who's, who mentors me, some years ago challenged me and he said, Barry, leaders of churches tend to take three whole days to write their message. You know, and it's ultimately a half an hour slot on a Sunday. It's not the biggest thing in the world. And he challenged me some five or six years ago to write every message within two hours. If you're a preacher or a teacher or someone, you say, I'm disciplining myself. It's hard, but it's possible. But because I was ill up until Thursday afternoon, I had Friday to pull this message together. And I did it in an hour and a half. So I'm praying God can bless it. But more importantly, you'll be blessed and challenged. So we're in this together. You might have to drag it out of me a little bit. But we're going to do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every amazing person in this room, for every amazing person who will watch this online. Thank you that you love us. Lord, would you challenge us, would you prompt us by your spirit to move forward and take a step closer to you? Lord, as we pursue greater understanding around your glory, I pray you do in us what you need to do so that we couldn't just know about your glory, but we could carry your glory. Everywhere we go would be changed because of who we carry. And all God's people said, amen. Touch the person next to you and say, he's got something for you. I was remembering as I was thinking about this message that um, when I was growing up, I grew up in Chelmsford. It's about half an hour up the road. Yeah, it's cool. And, uh, <laughs> we got another Chelmsfordite or Chelmsfordian. It's a Chelmsfordian, isn't it? And um, we lived in this cul-de-sac road. It was nice road, um, had a bunch of friends that I lived there with, and we moved in, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old at the time. And at the end of our cul-de-sac, there was this garden of a, of a house, and the garden was probably 30 or 40 metres long, and so the house wasn't in our road, it was in a different road, but his garden backed onto our road, and there was this fence. And the bloke who lived there was this old boy, I say old, he was probably in his 70s, so he's young, and he, dad, he's young, yeah, young man, young man, really young man in his 70s. And, um, but he was so grumpy. He was the grumpiest old grotch you've ever heard. He was terrible. And because we were 10 and 11 years old, he obviously just didn't like children. And there's us running around playing football and eat and hide and seek and all these things you do when you're that age. And he'd stand at the end of his garden like, children, I hate them. And we would find it hilarious. So we nicknamed him Mr. McGregor. So every time he'd say, oh, watch out, Mr. McGregor. I don't know what his actual name was, but to us, Mr. McGregor. Oh, Mr. McGregor's out. Oh, watch out, watch out. And of course, because we're kids, we'd tease him a little bit. And there was not much he could do because it was quite a big fence. And he was a young 70-year-old. He wasn't getting over it. So it was like, no, no, Mr. McGregor. No, no. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> but then, as, you know, as it gets towards the winter, the nights were drawing quicker, wouldn't they? By Christmas time, it's probably dark by before 4 o'clock, isn't it? So we're out there and it's getting dark. And I had this idea, who's going to get into Mr. McGregor's garden, run up the garden and touch his back door and get back out before old McGregor catches you? Anyone ever had a great idea like that when you're 10 years old? Come on! And so I asked this question, who's with me? I had a slight advantage because I was the fastest runner in my school. You didn't want to be the slowest runner in the school at this moment. Anyway, three or four of the guys said, yeah, come on, let's go and knock on Mr. McGregor's door. McGregor, 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 we're going to knock on his door. Come on. It's getting dingy. It's the first time my mum and dad have ever heard this. So um, <laughs> we were really behaving ourselves out there. Don't worry, it was fine. <laughs> 
So we got over old McGregor's fence and we tippy-toed it. And you know, he's not coming, but you feel like he's coming. And it's really dark and dingy and we're looking, are you all right, are you all right, are you all right? And we run up there, tapped on his door and sprinted, jumped over the fence and we're all congratulating each other. We did it, we touched McGregor's door. And here's the point I want to make. I wouldn't have done... <laughs> totally unrelated. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that on my own. My mates wouldn't have done that on my own. But when you have the idea and you turn around and you say, who's with me? When people are with you, you suddenly get bolder. You get it? Who's with me? Yeah, I'll do it with you. Okay, come on, we're going to do this. And you do it together. There is something about being in community that you can draw strength from. And I ask this question, who's with me? You'll find similar things today. You know, there's a whole bunch of striking going on right now. And it's coming through the unions. Not going to get all political, but none of them people would do it on their own, but there's strength in being together. Are we up for this? This has been going on long enough. Come on, we need to make a stand. Are you with me? Yes, we're in together. We stand and we make our stance, all the rest of it. Not going to make any comment on it, but you get the point. Are you with me? So my title today is this. I know who I'm with. I know who I'm with. Now, the glory of God is our theme for this year, and we've been exploring that, and we'll do it for a little while and rest and revisit it later in the year, but God's doing something special through this series. And uh, our theme verse is in Isaiah chapter 60. It's verses 1 through 3, but I just want to read you verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1, in the Amplified Version, because it just brings a little something different. Here it is. Arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory and the brilliance of the Lord, for your light has come and the glory and brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. Come on, that's inspiring, isn't it? Come on, let's get out of our spiritual depression. Let's stand up and know we carry the glory of God. And so wherever I go, I take the glory of God and it has to bring change. Are you with me? And we need to get this kind of stuff in us. And because the glory is such a vast, vast topic, we try to boil it down and bring it down and make it sort of understandable. And we brought it into three areas. His presence, his goodness, and his power. His presence, his goodness, and his power kind of sums up what this glory thing is. And you need to know you were made to carry it. You were made to carry it. When you think about in the, in the Garden of Eden, what happens? No other creature gets this but mankind. He breathed the breath of life. He literally breathed into us. We are supposed to carry his presence. We came alive. Then it all goes pear-shaped. And we're cast from his presence. But then there's Noah. And the Lord has been so upset with humanity. You know, I've been doing some reading recently and listening to different people talk. And you know, there's all this different opinion around God. And, you know, if God, if God was right up there, why does he let bad things happen? And, and how can he allow this, that, and the other thing? Well, do you know what? Once upon a time, he didn't. He stepped right in and wiped everyone out. But then people judge him for that as well. God can't win either way. He stepped in. And it's the saddest verse, I think, in the Bible. He says, I regretted making them. It got so, I mean, how bad does life have to get where God gets upset with it? And he said, I regretted it, but there was one family. And he put them on the boat, didn't he? We know the story. He built the ark, Noah and his family, they got on the boat. I was chuckling, reading about our animals in heaven. And, you know, if the ark is a picture of heaven, then the animals were on there. So if you're an animal person, you might be all right. Jesus comes back on a horse. That's a good start, isn't it? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's lots of animals. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But here's what I want to say. 
as the water started to recede, what happened? They sent out the dove. And we will know the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit or peace. And what was it doing? It was looking for somewhere to rest. And it came back. There was nowhere to rest. But as the water receded, it went out and it didn't come back. Why? Because it had somewhere to rest. And it's another picture that the glory of God wants to rest on you. It's looking for someone to say, I'm available, and he will rest on you. Are you seeing it? Then all through the Old Testament, you'll find generally God uses individuals, men and women, the, you know, the judges and the prophets and the kings, and he put his spirit on them, and they were able to bring great wisdom and, and great power into situations. And then we find Jesus. And this is what the Word says about Jesus in John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling amongst us. Look, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. See, what did Jesus come bringing? The glory of God. He was carrying in it and it rested on him. And so as we've been going through our service, we can see everywhere he went, he brought change and answers and hope. Why? He's carrying the glory. The goodness of God literally rested on him. But it gets better because Jesus says to his disciples, I've got to go. They're like, don't go. We're having so much fun. But he says, it's better that I go. Why is it better? Because I'll send the helper. I'll send the Holy Spirit so that he can rest and live in you. And if you're open to him, the Holy Spirit wants to rest and live in you. And he says, greater will it be in the later days than the former. Partly because there was one Jesus walking around doing stuff. But now, look how many people are carrying the spirit of Jesus. It's got to be greater. More stuff's got to be happening all over the world. I celebrate that we're becoming so eclectic as a church. God's moving everywhere. And he brings us together, and it's just better. We were made for his presence. And I've been leading a church for 18 years now. And I understand... I don't want to get too religious about stuff. I understand that for many people, they have faith and they come to church because they want their life to be better. You want your life to be better. And that's okay. I hope that's not our only goal. I hope it's that we can make a difference to someone else's world, that we can advance the kingdom. But for most people, I want my life to be better. And I know inviting Jesus into it is going to make it better. So actually, inviting the presence of God will always bring out the best version of you. When you start saying, God, you're welcome here, what happens? You get a little bit more peace in your life than you had before. Maybe you get a little bit braver to try that idea that you're like, oh, shall I, shan't I? And you say, yes, I'm going to go for it because I know God is with me. It gives you that confidence. You get that confidence. You get the peace on the inside. You start deeply knowing who you actually are. And it releases you to that freedom. So many people, even today, even sat in this room, are bound up because of history. Things that were said to you, done to you. Circumstances that are out of your control. And yet when you invite the Prince of Peace into your world, he unlocks it all. And says, come on, you're made for freedom. Express yourself. Be the best version of you. It's attractive. And so we get bolder as we start joining in with what God's already doing. Are you with me? I want to unpack that a little bit. I want to talk about Joshua. And um, Joshua has taken uh, the people across the Jordan and his challenge is to go and take Jericho. Now Jericho is a fortified city. The walls we know were so thick. I don't know when, when I talk about the walls of Jericho, probably we're all thinking about a few bricks. The walls were so thick, they had chariot races on them. They were massive. 
They were super high. They were, they were well-organized and well-drilled people. And here is Joshua probably feeling a tad anxious that God has said, go and take that city. He's like, does it have to be the one where they do chariot races on the walls? How are we going to do it? Well, what I want you to do is walk around it and blow a trumpet. It's like, at that point, how confident are you really feeling? Because that's what he was going through. And so he's about to lead his army. You know, it, it was a real case of feel the fear and do it anyway. He yeah. was like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. And then this happens. Joshua chapter 5 and verses 13 through 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence, and he asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Isn't that interesting? Here is Joshua up against his biggest challenge at that point in time. He's anxious, he's not sure how he feels about it, but he's trying his best. And he sees this guy, and his first question is, are you with me, or are you with them? And I wonder, guys, whether sometimes we're up against stuff. There's obstacles in our way, and circumstances arise, and we're like, are you with me, or are you with them? But when he asked that question, what was the response? And it was a headbanger, wasn't it? I'm not on your side or their side. I'm with God. And so what does he do? He suddenly feels like, wow, this is holy ground. He has to take his sandals off. And it's an act of your sandals is what touches the earth. So I'm getting the earth off me so I can be pure in the sight of glory. Now, come on, church. Our challenge over the past few weeks, even in the prophecies we've been hearing today, is come on, let's be holy. Let's shake the world off of us. Let's make better choices so we can be reverence in the presence of glory. Are you with me? Come on, touch the person next to you and say, come on, let's be holy people. Because what happens, I think, when we're up against something is we pray these, and I'm going to call them, bless me prayers. I've prayed lots of them. I'm sure you have. And it goes like something like this. Lord, I've got a situation. I've got this person. I've got this thing, you know. Where are you? Are you stepping in or not? Do you really love me? And it's what you're really saying is, come and bless my idea. Come and bless my problem. Come and get alongside me. And that's exactly what Joshua was saying. Are you on their side or are you on my side? And he said, I'm on neither side. I'm on God's side. And it's just like, whoops. It's just like, wow. So different. And he gets in the presence of glory and instantly his question changes. He doesn't say, are you my side? He says, what's your message? And in effect, he's saying, what do I need to do to show I'm with you? What do I need to do to be on your side? And it just changes everything in a moment. I wonder if even in this time we could challenge ourselves as people who love Jesus to stop praying these bless me prayers and start praying these prayers that say, I just want to be on your page. Now hear me, hear me, God wants relationship and it's okay to say, Lord, I'm up against it, I need you. And it's okay to tell him your life story and pour out your heart to him. He loves that he wants relationship. 
But could we shift our mindset like Joshua had to, rather than saying, God, can you join in with my idea? Saying, these are my issues, Lord, but how can I join in with your idea? Because when you invite God into the middle of it and get on his page, guess what? He makes your path straight. Are you with me? You see, we've got these ideas, God, you know, we need a new building, don't we, church? So lovely to start seeing it filling up. Last week, it was unbelievable. People were turning up and there was only standing room at the back. It was brilliant. Love being full at some time. We need a new building. So am I going to God saying, come on, God, are you on our side or not? Give us a new building. Or am I going to say, Lord, you see the situation. This is your house. How do we stay on your page? How do we stay on your page? And whatever you want us to do, Lord, we're going to join in with that because here's the reality. Everywhere Jesus went, he made it better, didn't he? We can see it. You read any story biblically about Jesus. He just made it better. So why do we now in 2023 think we're going to make it better if he'd just join in with us? When actually we need to say, it's always better with you. So what are you doing? And I'm going to join in with that. Alice didn't know this message I was going to bring, but she actually prayed that in her leading. Well played. Round of applause for Alice. I love when God does this kind of stuff. The prophecies we're hearing, the prayers we're praying, the way we're leading, it's kind of dovetailing, isn't it? God is with us. Will you be someone who will shift your attitude to say, God, just let me join in with what you're doing? Because in that place, I know I'll be blessed. You know, my favourite story, and Evie's getting a bit older now, probably be embarrassed, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> About 10, 11 years ago, Evie would have been three, four years old, and... Um, I said to her, I, I used to tuck her in at night and pray with her and chat and talk about her day. And uh, who was it who came and babysat for us and sang a song? Auntie oh, Auntie Joe. So my brother's wife, Auntie Joe. She was babysitting one time and she came in to, to put Evie to bed. And um, Evie said, Oh, Mummy always sings me a song. Now, have you ever heard my wife sing? Yeah. She's a banger. <laughs> Auntie Joe. Auntie Jo started singing a song to Evie, and Evie went, can you stop there? It's not very good. <laughs> Auntie Jo was like, <laughs> that's not the point I'm making. So I was putting Evie to bed, and I said to her, I said, how about in the morning we get up and we make mummy a cup of tea, and we make her a breakfast, and we take it to bed. She'll love that. And Evie's like, yeah, let's do that. Whose idea was that? The father's. But Evie thought it was a good idea. She got in relationship with the father. The father dropped his idea into the daughter, and the daughter owned it. And when we got up in the morning, I snuck into her room. Sarah's fast asleep. I'm in so much trouble. Does anyone want me for lunch? So we sneak down and make a cup of tea and make her some breakfast and Evie carries it in with me and we put it in and she's like, oh, thank you so much. Evie's beaming. We've done something good. You see, Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, the trouble is we, we want the desires of our heart and tell God that that's what we want. But it starts with delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah. And so when my relationship with Evie, she was delighting in her dad. I had an idea. It was my idea, not hers. She owned it and everyone won. I won. She won. Sarah won. When it's God's idea, everyone wins. Yeah. But it starts with 
the relationship you have with the Father. Lord, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing next month? What do you want me to be training for in a year's time? Because I'm going to be on your page. And as you delight in him, he drops his ideas into your heart. You own them. And then suddenly the thing you always wanted starts to happen. Why? Because it was his idea in the first place. Can you see the shift? And it's this same thing with Joshua. Are you on my side or are you on their side? Oh, neither. Oh, I better get on your side then. Come on, this is reverence for God. Let's never treat God as some genie in the sky who's going to do what we want. And revere him that he's the creator of heaven and earth. And he made us in his image. And he loves us and is for us and wants us blessed. Have a look at this. I love this. When you start reading passages you're really familiar with, but you do it through the lens of a topic. And we're talking about glory. So have a look at this story that you'll all know. But I want to look at it through the lens of glory. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came up. Now that's going to be a lot of wind and storm. Uh, came up and down the lake. So the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went in and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. I love this. Now think glory now. What we say in the glory is the presence, the goodness, and the power of God. So Jesus is in the boat. He's present. His presence is there. And anyone who genuinely knows the goodness of God will always have peace. Because whatever you're going through, you might be in your darkest moment, but you know, you know, you know your God is with you and is good and has good plans for you, so you know it's going to end up working in your favour. So even at your darkest moment, if you know Jesus, you can still have peace. Everyone else on that boat, and these are trained sailors, are freaking out, we're going to die. Jesus is having a kip. Why? He knows the goodness of God. He is a complete peace. This isn't going to overtake me because my God is with me. I know the goodness of God. I'm going to keep my peace. I don't know what you're going through, church, but I know this. Know the goodness of God and you'll keep your peace. He's going to open doors for you, change situations for you, heal you. All the things that you need, he knows what you need and he loves you. So keep your peace. And then what does he do? He stands up and he demonstrates the power of God. Even the wind and the waters obey him. And it freaks some people out. Fear and amazement. Wow, who is this guy? And what was it? It's a picture of the glory. His presence, his goodness, his power, all in that moment. And I want to suggest this, church. Our challenge, and the challenge God is giving us, is if we can fully grasp the glory, there are going to be people who look on and go, Wow. There is something special about that guy. There's something special about that woman. It's just amazing. Stuff just happens because they carry authority. You know, you'll never have power until you know your authority. And Jesus said, I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, the place of authority. All authority has been given to me, now go. We carry authority. And when you know your authority, you can release power. Some people need to see some power. I think God is stirring his church up to start believing for amazing things to happen in and around our lives. So you're blessed and everyone else is blessed. Nothing can steal your peace when you know the goodness of God. 
And I love this. The one who has peace in the storm had authority over the storm. I don't know what you're going through, but if you'll keep your peace, you'll gain your authority. And sometimes we need to stand up and say, in Jesus' name, shift. And I feel like I experienced that this week. Thank you to everyone who said, in Jesus' name, get off Pastor Barry. Because I woke up from a kip and I'm telling you, it wasn't like I slowly got better. I woke up and I went, I'm better. It was just like that. So I don't know if you were praying on Thursday, but give yourself a round of applause if you were. Because I experienced something from heaven then. What I love about this, and I'm not going to read it, but they're on this boat. And they get to the other side of the lake. And the very next thing that happens is this guy comes up who's demon possessed. He's freaking out. The, the, the village have, have put him out. They can't handle him. They try to chain him. He's an absolute nut job. He's so demonized. And they're like, we can't handle him. But then Jesus rocks up. And Jesus comes on. He's just prayed over this water. And it's all got calm. And this guy comes up to him. And he sets him free in an instant. Come on, church. The power of God needs to start moving in us. We need to start seeing some visible manifestations of God's power working through me and you. So lives are changed for the better. Come on, let me stir your faith. And here's the thing, I don't know, but I'm going to guess that was someone's husband. I'm going to guess that maybe he had children. I'm going to guess that maybe he was very well known in the community because of his situation. And you see, there was a storm trying to stop Jesus getting there. Because he had a bit bigger picture. It wasn't just about being on the boat. It was about this man who was demon-possessed, who needed freedom. It was about a wife who had been crying night after night, saying, God, I want my husband back. It was about children who said, what's happening to my daddy? Everyone's taking the mickey out of me. My dad's a nutter. And actually, Jesus comes in. The storm couldn't stop him. Why? Because he had peace in his heart and authority over it. And when he got there, what happened? He brought freedom. And I don't know, maybe you're in the midst of a storm right now. But I wonder, I just wonder, if we could get on God's page and see, actually, it's part of a bigger picture. And if you could win your storm, you'll get someone else's freedom. But he needs you to win the storm. And he stood there and he said, in Jesus' name, in my name. He didn't have to say in Jesus' name, did he? It's me. But he got his freedom. And I'm going to say that a whole village would have been changed in that moment. It wasn't even just about one person. Sometimes we minimize what God's going to do in and through us because we think it's about this when actually it's about that. But if you'll win this, you'll win that. Come on, let me keep stirring you. The reason we're saying these kind of messages is because God's got something big in, in plan for you and for our church and for this city. If we can start winning our stuff. People who carry the character of Jesus will maintain their peace. No storm can have you. And then you start to understand your authority. And it's when you understand your authority and you have your character, God can release his power. You know, there's a, there's a great phrase that I learned from Pastor Paul Scanlon years ago, who was um, Life Church's minister at the time. And he said, your gift can't take you or your character can't handle it. You might be the most gifted person in the world. But if you haven't got the character, as you start to flourish in your gift, it's all going to fall apart because you won't be able to handle it. So I think this... I think God is taking us, me and you, and us as a church on a journey to get our character right. Because he wants to release power. The trouble is, and I'm like any of you, I just want to, who wants to see the power? I just want to see someone come in in a wheelchair and walk out. I want to see someone come in blind and walk out seeing. I want to see someone's nan or granddad who you love who's riddled with cancer. You go in and lay your hands on them and they just get well. And the doctor's are like, what on earth happened? I want to see some stuff. 
And I believe we will. Because Jesus is the same today, yesterday, today and forever. And what we see in the Bible, he says we're going to see greater things in the later days. I'm going to be talking about that next week. So book your seat. But God's up to some stuff. But I felt like we keep, need to bang in the drum about it's about holiness. It's about purity. It's about character. Because if we're going to handle the power, we've got to be able to handle the power. Are you with me? So important. I love that whenever Jesus is involved, everyone wins. You know, that's why we can trust him. He says, I lead my church in triumph. You're going to win. You know, he says he, ha- you ha- he has good plans for you. He came that you'd have a full life. He leads you to steal waters. He prepares a table of life in front of your enemies. Everywhere you look about the heart of the Father, it's good for you. So if you're up against some stuff, I want to say this to you with some authority. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't lose another night's sleep over it. It's going to be okay. God's got you. Take a step back and say, okay, God, what are you doing and how can I join in with that? Because I know that will end up well. Rather than, God, I've got to force this issue. That person just won't give me the answer I want them. Make them do it. How about step back and say, okay, God, you love me and you love them. What do you want me to do? So that they win, I win, and you win. It's just a different thought process, but it involves reverence for who he is and not trying to get him on my page, but me get on his page. So if we're looking at Jesus as the one who come and demonstrated what carrying glory looks like, what did he look like? And if you feel challenged about what he looks like, would you be prepared to mimic that? Because I want to say this, this is what he looked like, a servant. The one who carried the most glory we've ever seen came as a servant. The famous passage, Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is glory and power and authority all wrapped up in humility. I wonder if as people we start seeing amazing things happening around us, we get a bit puffed up. Come and see my prayer. Did you see what God did through me recently? That person was healed. That person was blessed. I raised six people from the dead last week. Do you know who I am? But actually, he was, he was humble. All these amazing things. The word says we couldn't record it all because there'd be too many books of the things he did. But what did he say of himself? Came to serve. I'll wash your feet. I'll lay my life down. All wrapped up in humility. When you think of the dove, I've always loved this picture. If the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit, a picture of peace, if the dove was resting on you, you need to carry it well. Because the moment you get a bit too lively, the moment you do something a bit outrageous, the moment you get, lose your humility, the dove's like, I can't, I can't rest there. I'm looking for a place to rest. So our challenge in this moment, church, is can we be humble? Can we get a character that looks a little bit like Jesus? Could we consider what purity looks like in our world? Holiness looks like in our world. Joshua's told, take off your shoes, this is holy ground. What does that mean for you? What is it in your world that you're wearing in terms of habits that you need to just take off because I'm on holy ground? Are you with me? You need to say this stuff. You need to say this stuff because it's going to be powerful. Could we be gentle? Could we be kind, patient, loving, generous, merciful? All these things. These are the things we've got to be going for. But I want to home in just as I round this off on this idea of mercy. Let me read this passage to you. In Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. 
They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, and he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love this. He wanted healing, but he asked for mercy. And the, the, word, the Greek word for mercy there is eleo, E-L-E-E-O, eleo. And it means an act of kindness to meet a need. This was Jesus. We talk about power and authority and displays of magnificence from heaven. But what Jesus did was be kind. And because of his kindness, God could get his weight behind it. You know, kabod is the glory of God. It's the weight. The weight of God behind your kindness brings powerful change. And here's this guy who said, have mercy on me. And Jesus, the glory carrier, be challenged by this. In the midst of his busyness, everyone was around him. Jesus is coming. There's a roar everywhere, people around him everywhere. They wanted his time. They wanted his wisdom. They wanted something. He was pulled left, right, and center. But when someone said, have mercy on me, glory has the time to stop. Glory says, whoa, bring that guy to me. And he says, what can I do for you? Glory isn't too busy to make time for someone who needs help. Inspires me listening to Sarah Steele give up her time. She's a mum. She's a wife to a very demanding husband. actually our picture needs to be today the 
that Jesus, the King of heaven, is standing in front of us saying, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you too busy? Have you got it all sorted yourself? Are you trying to get me to do your thing? Or in actual fact, are you with me? Are you with me? Because when people start understanding we'll be with Jesus, your life will get better. And so will other people's. You'll be able to carry peace in the storm. You'll get authority over the storm. You'll start seeing demonstrations of heaven in your life. But I just wonder, just like Joshua, if the starting point is a point of reference, which says, I bow the knee, I take off my shoes, the things that are touching the earth, and I say, what's your message? What do you want to say to me? And he might say something to you and something different to someone else, and that's the beauty of church. If we'd all tune into what God's doing, and we'd all join in with what he wants us to join in, so many things would be happening. And I think that's the strength of church. Could I ask you to stand? I'd love to pray for you. you to close your eyes you don't have to but I think it's helpful Lord thank you for this journey you're taking us on as a church get into groups with what glory really is it's our dream Father that we would see your glory manifest we would see lives literally transformed before our eyes. We would see people healed. We would have testimonies of the miraculous. But Lord, if what it takes to get there is some humility, help us. If what it takes to get there is to make a choice of holiness and purity, help us. If what it takes is to bow the knee in reverence and say, you are God and I'm not, help us. Help us, Lord. Thank you that everywhere we look, your Father's heart towards us is good. Your plans for us are good. Help us trust you more, Lord. pray Holy Spirit that you just move amongst us now you begin to touch hearts you begin to cause us to think your thoughts get our eyes off of ourselves and onto you those of you who are in the midst of a storm it's going to be okay he's got you get your peace back Jesus said to his disciples, my peace I leave with you. Receive the peace of Jesus right now. Calm your anxious thoughts and grasp the goodness of God. Cynthia, we were talking before 
our service and you're sharing your journey with looking for a job and I feel prompted to say God's got a job for you keep your peace do your diligence ask the questions fill in the forms but keep your peace he's got the right job for you and if you'll let him he's going to blow your socks off it'll be a better job than you thought of up a church of glory carries the goodness the presence and the power of God all wrapped up in humility we're not great but you're great and you're great in and through people like us so I do speak success to your dream church whatever your dream is I speak success to it
It's so good when people are getting right with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I choose holiness. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord, my Savior, my friend. I say sorry for the times I've left you out. Put today your King. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. Let's give Father a round of applause for all he's doing.